I want to welcome everyone to the show. This is William L. Myers, Jr., and you're listening to Writing Wrongs on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Today, I have the privilege to talk with Reese Hirsch, the author of six thrillers that draw on his experience as an attorney specializing in cybersecurity and privacy. Reese's debut novel, The Insider, was a finalist for International Thriller Writer's Best First Novel. Reese's current series features FBI Special Agent Lisa Tanchik, who investigates cybercrime. I'm going to be talking with Reese today about his journey as a writer, the art of writing, and about his latest novel, Dark Tomorrow. Reese, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. Reese, let's talk a little bit about your background. I know that before you practiced law, you worked as a journalist in Atlanta. Can you tell tell the listeners a little bit about that? Uh, I uh, I started out, uh, I got a journalism degree from Northwestern, and uh, I started out as an assistant editor of a business magazine in Atlanta, but there were all these talented people writers working for this big conglomerate that produced all of these trade association magazines, things like Fence Industry, Container News, and they were incredibly (laughs) boring publications, but there are a lot of talented young writers getting their first jobs there. And I, I left my job at the business magazine and started an arts and entertainment publication in Atlanta and uh, published that for three years and recruited a number of those people to uh, be my staff. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It wasn't easy because we made it entirely on advertising, which is not hard to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And then uh, eventually we uh, sold that publication to Creative Loafing, which is still the big free publication in Atlanta, and uh, went off to law school. And where did you go to law school? Uh, University of Southern California. I would say USC, but some of our listeners may know that as University of South Carolina. And tell me, Reese, what what made you decide that you wanted to write fiction? Um, I have always wanted to write fiction ever since I was a little kid. You know, I wrote short stories and uh, I took uh, fiction writing classes at Northwestern in addition to the journalism. So it was just something I always wanted to do. Um, you know, once I got ca- caught up in practicing law, it took me a little while to to carve out the time to do it. But eventually I got there. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's been... You know, fun because you know, my writing you know, draws upon my legal practice because there are all kinds of scary and provocative privacy and cybersecurity issues that I encounter in my practice. And so I sort of uh, up the body count and you know, take it a few <laughs> notches further and, and turn it into thrillers. Right. So let me ask you this. When, when it came to the, to the writing, um, the fiction, did you start out writing entire novels or did you write short stories and and how long did it take you to actually get published well and when i was in at northwestern i wrote short stories 
And uh, when I was in high school writing for the literary magazine, I wrote short stories. But when I, I got serious about writing fiction as an adult, I was really aiming to get a novel published. So, um, you know, I, my first effort was the book that ultimately ended up being The Insider. And I know that a lot of writers have manuscripts that they put in the drawer and, um, you know, effectively, I might as well have done that because I rewrote my first book so many times mm -hmm. and made so many beginners' mistakes that you know it was, it was as if uh, <laughs> I was I had reworked that book many times before it was finally right, right. you know publishable. It was about six years, yeah. I'd say, where I was rewriting the book, trying to get a literary agent, and uh, once I finally got an agent, um, fortunately, you know, I got lucky and it was bought up pretty quickly. Yeah. Did you have did you have mentors who who helped you write or or who did you who did you show the book to along the way before you got an agent that gave you feedback? Well, yeah, my wife uh read it more times than anyone should have to read anything, but she was very <laughs> patient and uh, and but mainly it was uh, also writing groups. You know, I don't currently participate in writing groups because my time is so limited. But, you know, as uh, you know, a writer starting out, I found it incredibly helpful, you know, to uh, you know go and get feedback and support. And you know, so even though I, though I wasn't uh, getting the feedback and encouragement of having readers read my stuff, uh, I kind of knew I was on the right track from the responses I was getting in the writers' groups. Right. So are you um, an organic writer when it comes to the novels? I mean, I'm, I know the first novel you said you worked on for six years, but the novels that came after it, the novels that you're working on now, how much is organic and how much is sitting down and plotting it out and organizing it ahead of time? I'm sort of uh, in between the, the plotters and the pantsers. Um, you know, I, I do know roughly, you know, where I'm headed and, and, you know, roughly where I want to end up, but I've never done a detailed outline of a book. Um, one time I was at a conference and I heard the writer C.J. Box describing his process, mm -hmm. and I realized you know, that that was what I did, which is to, you know, outline within the manuscript, and I would have, you know, a couple of chapters, the next few chapters I was going to write, I'd have a fairly detailed outline of what I was going to do with them. And then as I wrote over them, I would basically cannibalize my outline, but I would always have right. you know, the next few steps kind of outlined, as well as kind of a general idea of the kind of overarching plot. And do you go back and then edit each chapter as you write it, or do you plow through the book get the whole thing done, and then go back? Um, I kind of edit as I go. And, uh, you know, I was, you, know, you can probably relate to this as a practicing attorney, but, you know, I, I envy those writers who can really just, uh, you know, work all day and really crank through a manuscript. But uh, because I have small increments of time to work in, you know, I tend to be kind of a little more slow and meticulous and, you know, I sort of polish as I go. Let's talk about Dark Tomorrow. Now, Dark Tomorrow is the sequel to Black Nowhere, and your protagonist is Lisa Tanchik. 
Um, I am reading the book now, and I'm loving it. I got drawn into the book literally from the first chapter. I mean, it's just, it's very engaging. I like the character. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about Lisa Tanchek? What's her background? Well, thanks, Bill. And uh, Lisa is a um, FBI special agent who investigates cybercrime, and um, she's a little bit of a, you know, a, odd bird within the FBI, and that's something that I deal with a little bit more in the first book in the series, Black Nowhere, but she's not your traditional FBI agent who's uh, comfortable you know, bringing down suspects in the field and, and uh, firing a gun, but, but she, she does those things too. But she's really more of a computer geek, and she started out as a consultant uh, you know, on cybersecurity issues, but then she wanted to uh, to be involved in actually taking down some of the criminals that she was investigating. So she uh, you know, went to Quantico and ultimately became a special agent. So, um, you know, she's, uh, she's not your traditional FBI agent. And she also, you know, has some personal issues that she's working through with depression, which she uh, deals with by drinking a little too much. And so that's kind of an yeah, ongoing struggle <laughs> for her. Yeah, she calls it the black dog. I thought that that was right. that was great. Right. So the, um, when you the first Winston started, Churchill's phrase. Yes, exactly. Um, when you began writing, Lisa, did she surprise you? Um, did she turn out to be like you anticipated her when you first started writing her? Yeah, I think that uh, inevitably when you just start sort of putting down the broad strokes of a character, you know, they're, they're just traits and, uh, you know, just, it's a, it's an outline, but, uh, you know, hopefully as you write, the, the character sort of takes on a life of uh, his or her own. And, you know, I found that to be the case with Lisa. You know, I think she, uh, that character has kind of gone in a lot of different directions that I wasn't really anticipating when I started, but, uh, but I really enjoyed writing her. I think mean, she's a, a complicated person and a, a very smart and, uh, and uh, you know, skilled person. Can you give us an example of how Lisa surprised you, how she either did things or became different than you, than you would have anticipated? Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, initially, you know, um, you know, I think in her relationships, you know, I think, you know, they became, you know, her relationship with John, who's a fellow, you know, FBI uh, instructor at Quantico, um, that was something, you know, in the first book, we meet John just in passing, and uh, the relationship kind of develops in the second book, Black Nowhere, I mean, Dark Tomorrow, rather, and, um, you know, I I had no idea going in that uh, that their relationship was going to become quite as uh, complicated and prickly as it, it ultimately became and where uh, Lisa's personal life would lead, which we see toward Let's the end of the book. Yeah. Um, Natalia X, the villain in, in Dark Tomorrow. Um, a good villain makes for a great book. Tell us a little bit about Natalia X. Well, she is a uh, Russian sleeper agent, 
And uh, she's a very worthy adversary for uh, Lisa because she is every bit as skilled in the cyber realm as Lisa is, and they play a kind of cat-and-mouse game. And you know that's one of the, the fun things about writing cyber thrillers is you're often dealing in a world where nothing is as it appears to be, and no one is who they seem to be. And so um, you know, Lisa and uh, Natalia sort of uh, pursue one another through the dark web and and uh, you know, as soon as they think they've sort of got a fix on the other, things change. So Natalia X knows about Lisa. Does she taunt Lisa? Uh, very much so. You know, and, uh, and, and that was one of the things that, that I um, played with in this book. Because it involves uh, an all-out cyber warfare event, uh, it gave me the opportunity to look at all the different ways that technology can be used to invade our privacy and torment us. You know, everything from um, you know having medical devices hacked to cars, you know, to uh, even just uh, you know, you know, stealing the information from the mobile apps that track us wherever we go. Most of us through our smartphones, and and some of the ways that they. Uh, they sort of taunt one another, are not uh, illegal necessarily. But um, Natalia also takes advantage of some of the more common uh, social media-type devices, like uh, Lisa uses a, a Peloton-like bike as part of her right. you know, efforts to combat uh, depression. And mm-hmm. if, if, for anyone who's used a Peloton bike, there's the ability to high-five other riders. And so right. uh, at one point, Natalia high fives Lisa and she's (laughs) communicating, invading even her personal space while she's, you know, exercising on her bike. And that's not illegal people, but frankly, you know, when I've ridden a Peloton bike, I found it kind of creepy when these random unknown people are (laughs) high fiving me personally. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't know who they are. Right. So um, do we know anything about Natalia X's, personal history, like why she became a bad guy, what's motivating her? Yeah, we see that, uh, you know, her you know, sort of childhood, you know, her, her uh, parents were, um, you know, researchers at Johns Hopkins who, um, you know, ultimately go back to Russia, and, you know, she gets kind of adopted as a promising prospect for, uh, for espionage, and uh, she sort of sees this as an opportunity to, to kind of lead a bigger life and to use all of her talents as an individual. And, uh, you know, she, you know, is, she's kind of, uh, you know, caught in the middle because she's not really a Russian and she's not really an American, but she's learned to love America because she's lived her whole life there. But that doesn't stop her from uh, creating a lot of havoc and destruction. So she's yeah. she's uh, devoted to herself mainly more than anything else. The the she brings down. I'm assuming it's her. She she brings down the power grid, the transportation grid, all these other grids up and down the East Coast. The whole region's thrown into darkness um, and lack of heat in the winter. Um, let me ask you this question because you practice in the area of cyber threat and privacy. Is this is this is this possible, Reese? 
Uh, it's quite possible. And uh, while in my practice, you know, I, I deal with a lot of these issues sort of at a lower level. Like uh, I'm constantly advising companies that have had security breaches. And sometimes, you know, those breaches are even caused by state-sponsored hackers. But um, for a true cyber warfare scenario, like we're talking about in Dark Tomorrow, I had to do a little bit of reading. And you know, there's some great books on the subject, some of them very recent, like uh, The Perfect Weapon by uh, David Sanger of the New York Times. And one thing that I took away from it is that you know, this kind of cyber skirmishing is happening constantly between nations. And you know, we saw an example with the 2016 election and the, the Russian meddling there. But, you know, and, and also between Russia and Ukraine to a, a greater degree even. And right now we haven't had a, a true all-out cyber war only because things just haven't quite gotten exacerbated to that level. But uh, And the, the countries that are participating in this kind of warfare have kind of tacitly agreed that you know, they're not going to turn these things into shooting wars and that as long as uh, each participant you know, stays within certain boundaries, you know, it's not going to get out of hand. Well, in, in my book, things get out of hand. <laughs> right, and, and it, makes for fun, it makes for fun reading. Um, so tell us some of the – what are some of the challenges? What do you think are some of the, the more interesting little problems or big problems that Lisa's going to face along the way as she's trying to, to battle Natalia X? Well, you know, one of the challenges is that, um, you know, in the first book, Lisa was a fish out of water to a certain degree because she was proving herself within the FBI. In the mm -hmm. second book, um, she starts out investigating a murder that looks like, you know, a criminal event, but but sort of an isolated incident involving a hacker that she'd been pursuing. But she learns that this initial murder is really part of the first wave of this broader cyber attack. And that leads her to get read into an investigation that's being conducted by U.S. Cyber Command, the agency that defends the U.S. against cyber threats. And so now Lisa's brought into a whole different world, and uh, a lot of the members of that bureaucracy aren't very happy to have her involvement. But uh, she plays a critical role because if she can demonstrate that Natalia X is linked to Russia, then that may be the information that's necessary for the U.S. to officially declare war on Russia and to attribute the broader attack to that country. So the, the stakes you know, get very high. It's more than you know, investigating a particular crime, but uh, she's trying to gather information that, that is critical to uh, this national effort. Is, is Lisa herself uh, put into any situations where her own physical survival um, is put at risk? Um, yes, yes, in several cases. And one involves a very dangerous toxin, which is really used by uh, the GRU in Russia called Novichok. And they've used it against uh, some defectors from Russia. And uh, so there's, there's this, what I hope is a pretty scary scene involving that substance. 
And then also, um, you know, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but there's a, a confrontation with Natalia that occurs toward the end uh, in, the, uh, in the middle of the attack in the Smithsonian American History Museum. Will, will these two women actually come face to face at some point in the novel? Um, yes, they do. Yes, they do. And, uh, you know, I think that, and also, you know, when I spoke with, uh, you know, our, our friend Pam Stack, I told her that, you know, uh, the last chapter in the book, they come together in what I think is a somewhat surprising way. And that was a chapter that I didn't write. And I, I thought I'd ended the book. And then mm-hmm. I realized I hadn't. <laughs> there was an extra. Oh, me. Uh, big twist at the end involving, you know, some face-to-face encounters between Natalia mm-hmm. and, and Lisa. Sometimes rivals, especially if they're arch rivals, have maybe an unconscious interest in keeping their nemesis alive, just as to have someone to fight with who's on their level. Do you think that is the case or becomes the case between Lisa and Natalia X? Yeah, I think there's a definitely an element of that. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, well, I want to say more, but I, there's a, a couple of key twists okay. at the end that I think would, okay. would sort of, uh, <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. But, but yes, they, they end up being aligned a little more than you might expect at the end. Uh, okay, that, that, that is tantalizing, and that sounds very interesting. And it makes me want to keep on reading the book, although I'm reading it pretty fast as it is. Um, Reese, let me conclude with that um, and uh, just tell everyone this is William L. Myers, Jr. You're listening to Writing Wrongs on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I've been talking with my friend Reese Hirsch about writing and about his new book, Dark Tomorrow, which I recommend to everyone. I'm reading it now, and it's fantastic. Reese, would you tell our listeners what your social media credentials are and where they can buy your books? Well, uh, my publisher is Thomason Mercer, which is part of Amazon Publishing. So all of my books are available on Amazon. And my website is ReeseHirsch.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the usual places. And thanks, Bill. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I enjoy talking to you uh, on the radio just as I have in person. I look forward to seeing you at the next Thomas and Mercer event. Uh, for everyone who's listening, this is William L. Myers, Jr. You can find me at www.williamlmyersjr.com, and you can buy my books on Amazon. Reese, thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. It's a pleasure.